All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now at the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. So you're thinking about starting a new website? Maybe you have a new small business idea and want to tell someone or sell something online. Maybe you want to show off your photography. Or maybe you want to start that new podcast. Ah, huh. <laughs> GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. That's impossible. They're always $9.99 or $12.99. They're $12.99, but right now GoDaddy's offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. On the actual internet or is this some BS sub-internet? No, no, this is GoDaddy.com. We all use GoDaddy.com. Everything I have is on GoDaddy.com. I know. And each new .com comes with a free instant page website and a built-in photo album. So what are you waiting for? I don't believe it. Get your website started today. I think it sounds like a scam. It can't possibly be true. GoDaddy's not a scam. They have... uh, uh, that hot check, Danica Patrick, for mm-hmm. their stuff. So it's not a scam. Plus, I use it for everything. It better not be a scam. <laughs> Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code FORK at the checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website. And you're all set to go. Fork you if you don't take advantage of this incredible GoDaddy deal. I'm going to take advantage of it. Welcome to a fork on the road. I am Mark DiCarlo. Once again, to my right, the lovely, the talented, the travel-weary, traveling diva, Yenny Alvarez. Alvarez DiCarlo. Oh, that's right. Are we not adding that in? No, we have to legally... (laughs) You made me. Yes, well, your passport says that now, so we have to actually change it. Got a great show lined up for you today. Very fun, very informative. This is, this is one where you're going to be taking notes the whole time. Uh, we got my good friend, <laughs> Jeff Garcia, very talented stand-up comedian, one of the stars of the new sitcom, Mr. Box Office, and plays Sheen in Jimmy Neutron and Planet Sheen. I believe he's also ethnic. It's kind of hard uh, to tell. Ethnic. He's ethnic. He's Mexican. I think he's. I, I think he has somewhat of an you accent. Think? Maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. Um, and he will be on the show talking about travel and comedy and food. Australia, mate. I know. Mexican in Australia. That sounds like a. That's a Mark Twain book. <laughs> a con- a, really a Connecticut Mexican in King Arthur's Australia. Uh, we also have the owner and operator of Los Angeles Urban Adventures. Summer Davis. She's going to be with us, and um, really cool, interesting way to find your way around the world. And last but not least, a culinary legend, Rich Melman, the, I'm going to say, the most successful restaurateur in America. I mean, there are big companies that own restaurants, but as far as like a, a family-owned business, Rich, in the last 40 years, has opened 170 restaurants. Mm-hmm. One of, one of which has failed. Ooh. One. One. So he's 170 and one. Wow. That's a great record. He has restaurants all over the country, and he's going to explain the art of food to us, you know, because running a business, running a restaurant like that, like the ones that he has, it's part business, but there's also kind of a gut, artistic oh, absolutely. spin to it, and he is the golden boy. He is the man. If Rich thinks it's delicious, it goes. It does. So we have a great show lined up for you. Um, also, this is a big weekend here in Los Angeles. We're doing the San Gennaro Feast. Um, I'm so excited for that. Tonight, Thursday night, is the Prima Note. I'm going to be hosting a show with Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel at uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Music Stage at Hollywood and Highland. We mm. have music, we have food, we have food wine. And more food. And limoncello. And like every Italian in Los, Los Angeles, Angeles comes to this. 
we get uh, tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of people each weekend. It's Thursday night tonight, which is the Prima Noche. That's the opening night. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from about 11 in the morning till 10 or 11 at night, right behind Jimmy's Theater uh, at Hollywood and Highland. There's food. There's constant entertainment. There's music. There's comedy. And it's very family-friendly. So bring the kids because there's a lot of games. All kinds of different Italian food booths. Uh, mm. You can go to feastofla.org to get your $5 tickets and find out more information and the hours and all that. But it's going to be really fun. We'll be there Thursday. And your band is playing My band's tomorrow. playing Friday night. Old Blues Eyes plays Friday night at 10 o'clock. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, come out and see us. Rock the stage there. It's it's, I look forward to this event every year. It's really fun. We got a great band. I fast for this event. I, I every fast year. for the feast. Exactly. <laughs> I fast for a month before the feast. <laughs> it's a great time. Very fun. Very funny. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Speaking of funny, yeah. we had a chance to talk to our good buddy Jeff Garcia. He's very hard to categorize. What do you mean? Well, because he's more than a comedian. He's a he's a voice actor. He's a comedian. He's a sitcom he's a actor. He's a performer. He's and, a funny performer. And just a very passionate and sensitive kisser. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> there are some things I can't even tell Alvarez de Carlo. Mambo, mambo, and... Jeff Garcia, welcome to a fork on the road. Hi, Jeff. Hey, what's that? A fork in the road? That's yeah, the name baby. of the show, Jeff. That's awesome. I thought, I thought it was going to be some more creative, but hey, you know. <laughs> what do you want it to be? Un tenedor. Yeah, un, tenedor. un tenedor. Uh, none of that now. En la calle. <laughs> oh, who is the SAP button? <laughs> Is this National Latina Month or is it that is, next month? It is actually. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, for yes, all the Mexican f- month, get over it, Carlos. We don't have a Italian month yet. <laughs> the self-proclaimed funniest Mexican in the world. That's Jeff Garcia. You know him from the Jimmy Neutron Show. You know him from Planet Chi, and you know him if you've ever been in a comedy club. He's one of the funniest guys I know, and he travels all over the world. So we thought, damn, we should have Jeff on the show, and now you're on the show. Yeah, I'm on a park in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Careful how you say it. You can say anything you oh, want. Okay. This is a podcast. You can... yeah, just don't, just, just, just don't use the... Um, yeah, Careful how you pronounce pork, huh? <laughs> how long have you been doing stand-up, Jeff? Because you were doing stand-up before we started doing Jimmy Neutron, right? Uh, yeah, like uh, 22 years. I was 15. And what, to- what When you were 15, what made you think that you were actually funny enough to do professional comedy? I tried to start when I was 13. They didn't let me. I had to lie about my age, and they went in there. Did you really? Yeah, they used to walk me to the outside. They used to walk me to the stage and walk me right out. Oh, my God. That's they amazing. literally put a security guard on me to walk me in and walk me out. Well, it certainly hasn't given, uh, it hasn't ruined your lifestyle and, and at all. Still, they still do that for totally different reasons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so you don't hurt the patrons. Oh, of course, yeah. I could do one guy gets stabbed, and now I got a security guy. Come on. The life was legal. The mess was legal. The size of my hand, my palm, I'm good. So we've had we've had comics on the show before, and it, it always makes me laugh because you guys travel so much, and it's not the most luxurious situation. So we thought we'd start off by talking about some of your travel. Uh, mishaps, your nightmares, the places that you've gone where crazy shit has happened that you didn't necessarily think was going to happen. What you have like a worst travel story? Oh, the funniest. Oh, travel I, story? no, it's funny. I just experienced that. Exactly what you're talking about, right? Uh, last weekend, last Friday. Where'd you go? On a whim. Uh, remember Stephanie at Barbie House? Uh huh. Well, um, I had to do a show in Yakima. What? Yakima, Yakima Washington. Washington. Oh. You yeah. were probably the Mexican in Yakima, yeah? No, no, there was a whole bunch. That's why they hired me. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't know when to stop running. <laughs> <laughs> they see another border, and they go, we can stick it here. <laughs> We're not doing that again. <laughs> so you're up in so Yakima. I, but you fly, you fly into Seattle, and then it's a half an hour flight to uh, Yakima. And it's like uh, one of those, propeller, you know, the dude has to kickstart it, you know. You make it sound it like a lawnmower out. engine. It's so funny too because they only have their airport is like smaller than a Seven Eleven, <laughs> and they're and they have like <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> then they have an announcement um, now boarding, but only one flight to Seattle. That's all they have. <laughs> now boarding so the, the one flight we have. Now boarding flight one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, reminds me of Wings. 
All right. And then baggage claim, baggage claim was hilarious. It was so Mexican dude that hands you your bag. You normally, you know, normally how you go to the airport and like, they have those things that turn and like bring, bring your luggage out. Uh-huh. It was just one, and he handed me my bag. I didn't have enough time to go through your bag, but if you have anything really cool in there you want to get rid of, you let me know. Man, hey, boy, I like your Raider sweater. I took it. In. <laughs> so what was the? Where did they put you up? What was the club? It's hilarious. I'm looking, I'm sorry. The club or the what, what was what was the worst about it? Uh, not, oh, okay. Then my contract, you know, I smoke cigarettes. You can tell by my constant coughing. Yeah, it's real so healthy. In my contract, I put smoking room. Right. So the promoter, he didn't he didn't see it in the contract. So he had me at some sweet ass the, the nicest hotel in Yakima. I believe it was the Motel Six. <laughs> but um, he, uh, he, he, he we had to find a smoking room for me, and they checked us in this hotel. It was the word. It was like uh. Like, uh, you ever seen a JFK movie? JFK. Uh huh. Remember where they put uh, Joe Pesci when they're trying to hide him out? <laughs> like the rats don't even before. stay there. Yeah, so that room. Oh, the rats years left. Like, they they packed nothing. and left. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to order a pizza, right? In this, this hotel, I try to order a pizza when we first got in the room, and I'm looking over at Steph and Steph's all, "You fucking serious? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> So I tried to order a pizza, so I grabbed the phone to get the address, and it was a phone from a hotel in Montana. It didn't even match the hotel. <laughs> so I go, she's all, I, she's all, hey, you're the greatest. I love you, but I can't stay here. I'm like, oh, let's get the hell out of here. So we went downstairs, like, we can't stay here. So I called the motor to come pick us up. They wanted to charge us the room because we had been in there longer than 15 minutes. Oh. Oh, it's one of those hotels. Yeah, I'm like, what? Because Stephanie's there with a Mickey Mouse sweater on, and you know what I'm standing there, you know, like, come on, she's not a hoe. <laughs> Maybe she thought it was the other way around. Maybe they thought it was the other way. They thought you were turning the tricks. Yeah, I know. Maybe I was the hoe, huh? Yeah. I did have that real large, fluffy hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you look like the Mexican Jackie Gleason. Straight up, dude. One of these days, Stephanie. <laughs> so... So, yeah, it, it, it's hilarious. I'm like, I'm like, you serious? And she goes, then the funny thing was, the lamps are busted. The TV was smaller than my iPhone. And she said she wants to go make sure that we, we that we we didn't ruin anything in the room. <laughs> oh, that's right now. There was a tecate in the fridge. That was the only plus in that room. One beer can. <laughs> <laughs> was it free or did they charge you for it? I, no, I don't think they knew it was in there. They probably would have made a deposit for the can to get it back. So they were psycho and paid their rent for the hotel. All right, and then you go to the club. And how was the club? Good, bad, awful, horrible? The club was awesome. It was like it's a brand new nightclub called Tuffskin Two. It was beautiful. Tuffskins, like the, the Sears pants. The what? Yeah, yeah, Tuffskin. Oh, Etruscan. No, not Tuffskin. Tuffskin. Oh, I thought you said Tuffskins, like Huskies. No, Tuscan. Like Tucson with the A. Oh, got it. Like in Italy, Tuscan, Tuscano. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not like Tucson with Listen, an Listen, Carlos, I'm not with the Italy, right? We give you Olive Garden, let it go, okay? <laughs> Olive Garden. So you slayed him in Yakima. Have you ever done mm-hmm. comedy overseas? In a real ever, city. Have you ever been overseas? You travel? I've, I've only been to Australia. What? Ooh, how was and that? that was a trip. Oh, that was awesome, man. What were you, were you doing it, comedy it, there? What were you doing there? Well, I was, uh, I was um, voicing Happy Feet 2. Oh, Wait I know that. There's Mexican penguins in Happy Feet too. There's Latino yeah, penguins was, was, in Happy Feet too, because I did that too. Yeah, come on, dude. The check cleared. Leave me alone, What's all right? That? Yeah. That's what Voice I said. Over. Mexican penguins. Fuck it. You gonna pay me? I'm down. <laughs> so see, why did you? Why did the, you you I got don't a know. great end of it because you went to voice it over there because you did the main, um, the main Latino penguins. Correct? Yeah. Yes, it is. So you got to travel all the way to Australia to do that. I was stuck. Doing the remainder penguins, the ones that uh, the celebrities didn't do. I was stuck here in a warehouse. How come they didn't take us to Australia to do that? Why would they take anyone to Australia to do the voices? I don't understand that. Because they, they, when you, they would get taxed, American taxes and Australian taxes, and the producers didn't want that. The oh. director was uh, is George Miller. He's the guy that did Babe. And Mad Max, right? Exactly. So, so basically, he's like, I don't want to pay the American taxes. Fly them beaners over here. <laughs> so who was all over was there crazy. with you? I was the only wetback in the outback. <laughs> That's the next your next album, Wetback in the Outback. Mate, there you go. Good day, Someone mate. Uh, do you have any, any fun adventures while you were in Australia? 
Oh, yeah. Um, uh, if you're black or Mexican or Chinese, anything but white, you need to go to Australia because it was the first time I've ever been called an American. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I was 36 years old. I've never been called an American. Like, I'm in a bar, and uh, and like, and this guy's all, um, he's, he's like, hey, Mike, how you doing, Mike? I'm like, what's up, bro? He's like, oh, you're an American. And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> I called my mom and told her I was an American. It was crazy. And where are you? Fun, uh, where do you get your material? Is it all? Because I've seen your show uh, several times. Saw you, you. You play at the um, the Ice House in Pasadena here in California a lot. And you're you're the you're the god of the room. But it's not all Latins. I, I would have thought that it would be all Spanish people. But it's a pretty mixed crowd. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, well, it, it got mixed when the ticket price went up. <laughs> <laughs> When it, was, when it was 15 bucks, you could, it was all Mexicans. You had to order in Spanish. But now that the ticket price is up, you know, we got some white folks too now. Oh, I want to know what you ate. I want to know about the food. I want to know what you ordered. Did you have beer? Where? What'd in you Australia have? you're yes, talking? in Australia. Oh, oh uh, I yeah. Don't eat food. that Vegemite shit. That's crap, man. That's caca. What? Did you have that's, Vegemite? <laughs> anything that comes in a tube. I mean, come on. Everybody says that, but it's so popular. How could it? There must be something good about it. I've, I've never oh, had it's it. Like, it's the top ramen of Australia. It's cheap. That's why people eat it. Oh. It's really salty, too. Yeah, it tastes like crap. It's like a paste. It looks kind of... Is it made from vegetables? It's, it's, um, I don't know what the hell is in it, man. It's black, though. Oh. It's black, and then when you spread it out, it looks kind of like greenish. Well, once you go there, you never go back. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you know, they're, they're, they're calling me chutney, too. Apparently, there's this... Like they caramelize like mangoes and stuff, and they put it on like anything like you order that's American. They put that shit on there, and it was crap. They were calling me chutney because I was every time I ordered somebody would scrape it off. It was nasty, man. So you were the token American on this trip, huh? Wow. No, no, we, we, we all we all went. We all went. Oh. It was um, me, Carlos Rocky, uh, another comedian named Johnny Sanchez, uh, Rob Williams was there, uh, Elijah Woods was there, Sophia Ver Ver Ver, she was there. Vergara. That one, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we all went. Oh, that sounds like a fun group. Did you hit, do any partying with those guys? Oh, yeah, we got a little, we, yeah, we, yeah, we got a little toasted. <laughs> I didn't know Elijah Woods was such a boozer, man. He's a blast. <laughs> That's why he's yeah, seeing that big dog. Yeah, he got me to work. I wasn't seeing that fucking fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where's your favorite, where, where's your favorite place to go do comedy and travel to? Uh, Probably. I like it. Well, I don't really travel that much no more. I used to travel a whole bunch, but now it's it takes, you know, I'm making good money, so to get me out of my house takes a grip. But it's L.A., man. There's eight there's eight, eight clubs. I work them three times a year. I'm set. And does Stephanie go with you to all the clubs? Um, well, she's, well, she's a bartender, so she's pretty much what we give her shot. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, the audience doesn't know this, but let me uh, let them know who Stephanie is. Stephanie, oh, my girlfriend. Yes, and she's she my, is yeah. so beautiful. She's stunning. This fabulous Latina she's with a fabulous way, body. She's way, way, way over your pay grade, Jeff. <laughs> way. That's what I'm saying, though. Think off the chloroform. She is beautiful. She's <laughs> funny. She... Man, man, she's not really bright, though, because she thinks that um, I told her that rupees were filled with vitamins. <laughs> she felt for that for the first time. And then every day she meets you, it's like the first date. She can't remember anything. That's great. Take your vitamins, baby. Okay, (laughs) Jill. Don't forget your plan B. There you go. She probably has to do with you what what I do with Mark. I go to the good ones. Whenever he travels to a fabulous place, I go. Whenever it's a so-so place, the deciding factor is always the hotel. Mm -hmm. My next question is, where are we staying? What hotel? Exactly. I got to tell you, bro, I was watching you on the travel show, man. And when you fell asleep talking about lavender, I was dying, bro. I was in a hotel. I think I was in Houston. And, you know, hotels don't have really good TV. And I clip. I'm like, oh, it's Marcy Carlos with a couple other comics. And they know you from studs. We were watching it. And the guy's talking about lavender. I'll pay you to do lavender. Let me tell you to do lavender. You can put lavender. You can do lavender. And he's like, oh, bro, we were dying, dude. We wish we had Tivo. If we had Tivo in the room, we would have watched it like 10 times. <laughs> we got to send them a copy of that. I have, I'm sure I have it somewhere. Well, we used to have a good time. Jeff, Jeff and I were both on the, uh, the Jimmy Neutron 
show. Jeff played Sheen and I played uh, Hugh Neutron. And we, we just did a podcast last week with Rob Paulson and we were kind of reminiscing about uh, our time on that show. That, that was hilarious. We, if you, if you we get used a chance so to much download it and listen to it. Yeah, it's Rob called Talking Tunes by Talkin Rob Paulson. Uh, it was Jeff and I and a bunch of other people from the show. Uh, what you, Do you have any special favorite memories from our Jimmy Neutron sessions that you'd uh, you like know, to share? It was, everything was just a, <clears throat> a blast. It's funny because uh, you know, I live far away. So I was always late. Yes. No, a Latino? Late? Yeah, I know. Weird, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty soon, they just knew. Like, one time I showed up at 9, and, like, everybody's still sitting in the there's couches outside the studio, and they're sitting there, and they're like, well, the director and everybody thought you are going to be here at 9.30, so we're going to show up at 9.30. I <laughs> remember, remember, remember we used to shoot some uh, uh, paper cuts with each other? Remember? Yes, while we were recording. <laughs> oh, while we were great. recording, we hit in the head with a paper clip. <laughs> It was like school, but we were being rewarded for the goofing off as well as the actual oratory. Exactly. Yeah. Remember, remember, uh, Jesus told us um, that the editor said, you guys got to shut up before we start recording because the editor couldn't hear the, um, <laughs> the takes. Yeah, <laughs> give the takes. Yeah, yeah we, we were talking, having so much fun. Oh, time to record. Oh, okay. Uh, that was, we had a fun time. We had a lot of really cool guest stars in there. I, we had Mel Brooks come in one time. Mel Brooks played Santa Claus. I would have flipped if I would have met Like yeah. the Jewiest guy on the planet <laughs> plays Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Did he believe That's in his Kathy. character? He was great. Oh, everyone brought in something for him to sign. One of our writers, Stephen Banks, brought in an original vinyl copy of The 2,000-Year-Old Man that I think impressed Mel. Oh, that's right, huh? Remember that? He brought that in, and I had that big poster from the producers that he signed for me. And uh, Okay, that big poster is hanging on our wall, and it is ginormous. It's, and it it's says, like six feet. It's, it's, a, it's a producer's poster signed by Mel Brooks, baby. Yeah, it is a poster. Yeah, it that, is a that, six that, that's foot. the money on eBay right there. Yeah. It is a six-foot poster. I wish I had known after your house last week. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that's. Hey, hey. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I love right I love him, but come on, it's a six foot poster, uh, baby. It's a movie. Sh- it's a movie one sheet. It's not a poster. You're showing your ignorance. Oh my god! Come on, if it was Scarface, you'd let me keep it. No, it's not. I would not let you keep any posters. <laughs> posters. You are not a teenager. <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, I've never heard that before. <sighs> Ah, uh, Jeff, it's so good to uh, hear your voice. And uh, give me a little sheen. Now I don't want to give you a sheen because you're going to exploit it on the fucking road. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's a fork on the road, sheen, not a fork on the road. <laughs> Everybody's just trying to copy that voice. You said, what do you do? No, no, no. No, no, no. Do what you do, okay? Uh, where are you going to be coming up? Are you are you going to be down at the Combo Comedy Festival? We're going to be down there broadcasting the 2nd to the 5th of October in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Are you going or no? No, I'm not. Can you not go back to Mexico? Invited. Is there some kind of problem? Once no, they let you um, out, I can't, get back. can't get back in. You <laughs> left. You left. You stay there. You stay <laughs> You don't love us no more. You stay over there. Well, where can people, do you have a website where people can go look up where you're going to be? Uh, yeah, the real Jeff Garcia dot com. The real Jeff Is there a fake Jeff there a Garcia? Fake Jeff Garcia? Yes, there is. Uh, several of them. Oh, oh. Um, you think it's I, such I have a, an uncommon and I have a name? Pandora, I have a Pandora radio station. What does that mean? It, that means that um, you can listen to my Pandora radio station if you have Pandora, which and, is free. And is it you? If you, don't like, if you don't like me, if you don't like me. Um, they they uh, pay me when when listen to it. So if, if you don't like me, um, but you like Sheena something else I do, then uh, just put it on and put the volume down because I get paid in the air. And just when you go to sleep, just and then when you wake up, listen to what you want to listen to. Now, is it you? Is it your comedy bits on the Pandora, or is it just stuff that you like? No, it's it's, it's my it's my comedy bits. There's 95 tracks up. Nice on Pandora, and you're on a television show. Yes, Mr. Box Office. And where can, pe- uh, where can people see that? Uh, most, it's syndicated, so most of the country is going to get on CW. In L.A., we're on KCAL 9 on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, great. But it's cool. John Lovitz, Vivica Fox, um, Tim Meadows, Bill Bellamy. It's a blast to do. Fantastic. Not as much fun as Jimmy Neutron, of course. No. But, it's <laughs> so fun. but I'm sure you have a good time anyway. 
So you, oh, definitely. You get Jeff on Pandora. You get him uh, on the television on Mr. Box Office, uh, therealjeffgarcia.com. And if you're lucky enough, he will come to your town, stay in one of your nice hotels, and tell some funny jokes. But he has to be a smoker. Yeah, room. let me know when you're going somewhere interesting, bro. We're down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you next time. Bye, Jeff. Say hi you to Stephanie. Bye-bye. I will. Bye. Bye. That is very, 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 very funny, Jeff Garcia. Uh, you you got to love him because if you don't, he'll give you shit. Or steal your wallet. Ah, one of my favorite people. Check him out on his website and uh, follow him on Twitter. And if he comes to your town, go see him. He's go very, see him. You have to see funny. him. Very, very funny. Um, now let's talk about travel. Okay. Well, you know me. My favorite things is talking with the locals, finding out the best places, authentic travel. I'm all about that. So what do you do if you don't have time to do your homework, you don't have time to do to research when you go to a place? The well, best you can do one of two things. You can go there unprepared and waste your money by being someplace and not being prepared. Or you can check out uh, Urban Adventures in whichever city they have, I think, 85 cities um, across the world. And uh, it's guided tours by locals that take you to the places that you will not find on your own. So we have Summer Davis. Uh, let's see what she has to say. All right. Hi, Summer. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you work at a place called Urban Ventures in Los Angeles. What is that? Because... I've been living in Los Angeles a long time, and I've had many... <laughs> many urban adventures. Not all of them But nothing good. like this. Yeah. Nothing like this. Why well, don't you tell us a little bit about your, um, your company, Urban Adventures? Los Angeles Urban Adventures is a network of companies all across the globe in 85 cities around the world and growing. And the focus of these urban adventures companies is to provide off-the-beaten-path, real-life experience tours and... You know, that means seeing the city like a local, um, going, you know, finding hidden gems and ex local experiences, um, walking, riding Metro. There's a, there's a big focus on sustainability and responsibility, but it's really about getting off the beaten path in, um, in a city in half-day or full-day adventures. So wherever you happen to go, you can go, like, you're actually dealing with people that live in that city, huh? Exactly, and that's where the local expertise and local knowledge comes in because because all of these tours are operated and run by locals, you know, they can reach much further into the real life of that city than somebody who could be maybe operating something from abroad or who might not have the local knowledge. You know, we're here, we know what's going on every day, we're out, you know, researching and experiencing, and we're trying to pass that along to our guests as well. Okay. So it's not it's it's not Los Angeles urban adventures. It's urban adventures in a buttload of cities. Yeah, technically my our company is Los Angeles Urban Adventures. And then each city would be operated by somebody else. And um, it works kind of like a franchise. Okay, oh, so like Chicago, fantastic. Urban Adventures, Paris, Urban Adventures, stuff like that. London, Tokyo, Toronto, Havana, Beijing. Yeah, everywhere around the world you can imagine. That sounds fantastic. I'm excited about, um, I'm excited to hear about the itineraries and what about the food? Oh, wait, wait, why would someone go, why would someone use you guys instead of just calling a tour company in a city or just hoofing it on their own? Well, the thing is, we get mostly travelers who probably would want to do something on their own, but they don't have the time to do the research, or you know they don't, um, you know they want to have somebody treat them as if it were their friend or family member showing them around. You know, uh -huh. so they want to get a little bit more um, specialized treatment than they would probably get, you know, on their own and. Um, as opposed to other tour companies, it's really about the local insight and experience. You know, we take people places. I get locals all the time on my tour, people who live in L.A., and I take them places they didn't even know about. Like where? Like we take them to the first ever tourist attraction in Hollywood, which is a community garden, and it's a members-only garden. Um, and that's a beautiful spot with a lot of history, and it's a very special experience on the tour. Uh -huh. A lot of people don't even know that exists. Right I had in the no Hollywood idea Bowl. there was a members-only garden in Los Angeles. And it's on Hollywood Boulevard, by the way. Oh, wow. Hollywood what? Hollywood and Curson. Oh, really? Yep. I didn't know that. What else? What are some hidden gems in Los Angeles? 
Um, some of the other hidden gems we go to on our ethnic neighborhoods food and culture tour when we explore Koreatown and Little Armenia and Thai Town. You know, we go into markets and small bakeries and little family-run cafes and businesses. And um, all of those are really hidden gems and, and mostly new places for everybody that comes on the tour. And, and part of the, you know, experience is that we get to meet we often get to meet the owners of the business, and they're family-run businesses, and they really care about their clients that come in, and and they really, um, you know, give give special treatment. It's not like going into a, you know, a cheesecake factory or a big sort of fancy hip place. You're right. really they're really happy that you're there. It's the opposite of a prepackaged tour with a bus pulling into a Denny's. No, and I think the fact that you have locals doing this um, really takes the, the, the planning out of it. And really, you can answer all the questions. You know, we don't have to research anything. We can just go and show up and, you know, live like a, like a local for a bit. Uh, we, we, we were talking a little earlier to Rich Melman, who's a Mr. Chicago restaurant and, and knows a lot about food. And I asked him what his top food cities are in Los Angeles or in America and he actually included Los Angeles. Oh that's awesome. Most people don't. You want let's talk about some of the better places to eat in Los Angeles that people might might not be aware of. So well, off the beaten ethnic food places. Okay, well for starters, you know, let's just mention that we have over 15 ethnic enclaves and neighborhoods. Can you name so, them in alphabetical order? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh gosh. Uh, alphabetical, maybe not, but you know, Chinatown, Thai Town, Little Bangladesh, Little Ethiopia, Koreatown, uh, Little Cambodia, Little Osaka, um, Little India, we have a, like, a Little Arabia, we have, uh, gosh, what else am I forgetting? The point is, you can eat authentic food from so many places around the world here that um, that you can't find in, in a lot of other places. And our foodie scene is just growing. I mean, you know, there's a big rivalry always between L.A. and San Francisco, and, uh -huh. and L.A. is starting to top many of those, those lists. Which is very surprising, because typically L.A. has been much maligned for kind of being a two-dimensional, plasticky kind of city without any real culture, and that... I think over the last 20 years or so, that's kind of changed. Well, and I'll tell you what, what you just said is the exact type of tourism that we are trying to change. You know, tourism has been very plasticky. Tourism has been all about well, it's the... it's a plastic city. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> People... yeah, exactly. And it's all about the luxury and the five-star and the image and all that. And, and we Botox want to... burgers. <laughs> You're scaring her. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there are a lot of fake, goofy, weird, plastic people in Los Angeles, and it's hard, if you don't live there, to pick your way through all that and find the authentic stuff. That's why I'm getting excited. Well, and that's exactly what we do, because, you know, I'm a third-generation Californian, and, you know, growing up, for me, everybody in L.A. was just normal. You know, we wore Uggs and sweatshirts, and, and we go to Dodger games, and we, we love our city and whatnot. And it's only after moving, living out of the country for 10 years, living in other cities, and coming back that I start to see what other people see when they're mm -hmm. here. And so, you know, with my experience living abroad, too, and, and being able to understand what the traveler wants, and, um, you know, I've been able to really incorporate that into the business here, and we really are trying to dig through all that surface plastic. We even have a tour called Beverly Hills Beyond the Botox. <laughs> what is that? That's basically seeing Beverly Hills what's really behind, you know, just Rodeo Drive and, you know, going into some of the shops for tasting and walking through the gardens and, and seeing why it might actually be enjoyable to spend an afternoon in Beverly Hills if you weren't, you know, there for for just a... a plastic a surgery. Exactly. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know that was possible. It must be a short tour. <laughs> it's 10 minutes. <laughs> Oh, it's so, you know, it's like everywhere you look in Beverly Hills, there's this place I discovered that I think it's been there since 1962. It's called Mickey Fine Pharmacy. And it's like one of the only places where you, you walk into the pharmacy and there's a grill in the back, just like it used to be. And this is a family run pharmacy. And, you know, you literally walk through all of the, the funky things for sale up in the front of the store. And then you sit down on the counter in the back and you order your cheesy 
um, you know, grilled Reuben sandwich like everybody else, and, mm -hmm. and you can have a, um, a fresh squeezed lemonade, and it's sort of like, wait a second, that's Beverly Hills? Wow. I did so not know that place existed. See, that's a hidden gem. What was the what was the most as a lifelong Angelina, what was the most surprising place you found as you started to work at uh, LA Urban Outfitters or Ur no. <laughs> Urban Adventures? Urban Outfitters, that's a whole different story. <laughs> the most surprising place that I found, ooh, that is a really good question. I'll tell you, when I found that pharmacy in Beverly Hills, I was incredibly surprised because it seems like Anything that was old world Beverly Hills is long gone. Mm -hmm. um, so that place definitely definitely um, got me excited. But, um, oh my gosh, I have adventures all the time doing research for these tours. So I'm always finding things that, that get, get me excited. And I'm going to say, um, oh gosh. What about food? Well, yeah, it's, it's always about food for surprising, me. Surprising food or unique restaurants surprising or unique food um i guess one of my favorite discoveries that i've made has been the armenian bakery but the savory bakery the one where you walk in and all they're making is their fresh lamajuns manaish and borak which are you know like armenian turnovers and we have quite a few of these in this city, and I didn't even know that that existed, where you can just walk in, order a couple of things fresh out of the oven, and absolutely fantastic, um, wash them down with a savory yogurt, you know, really cold savory yogurt drink, just as if you were in another country. That, for me, is probably one of my, my favorite finds so far. How, how does it work at Los Angeles Urban Adventures. Do you people like go to your website and they get a printout of things to do or is it an actual physical human guide that takes you around? Yes, we have we have tours. So we have guided tours and they can book on to our food tour, our um, historic Hollywood bar tour, our hidden Hollywood tour, our Bo Beyond the Botox tour, and they're all led by local guides, and the groups aren't ever more than 12 people, so that's what gives you access into some of the smaller places, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we even ride the metro, and we ride the bus, but that's what really gets you... Subways um, in Los Angeles? People don't believe it? I know. I get tons of first-time riders, and they go, wow, that was so easy, or it's so clean, or I had no idea. that. That's all part of the adventure, and you see much more when you're on foot anyway. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are some of the hidden Hollywood bars that you go to? Well, you know, we're, we're mostly the, um, you know, historic bars that have, have been there since the golden era. So there's, you know, classic Musso and Franks, which has been there since 1919. Been there. Um, what's that? I've been there. You've been there? Uh -huh. Good. Well, we, we, you know, we'll go into um, Michelli's as well. Love that and, place. Yeah, so we go, but we go in and we have a drink at, at at a few different places, and we tell them the stories about who used to go there and what they used to do, and you know sometimes they get to have you know talk with the bartender about kicking Steve McQueen out of the bar, by the way, or you know when they used to serve Bing Crosby or whatnot. So it sort of makes it you know the history come alive as well as the ambiance. When you go to Michelli's, do you go on the singing nights where they have the... Uh, you go to the Hollywood one or the one by Universal City? No, no, we go to the Hollywood one. It's a walking tour around Hollywood. So we go to that one and, and we always, you know, get songs and performances from Brian, one of the pianists there. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. We're, we, we, we usually hang out at the bar, too, so they get that real that vibe. That, that's, a, that's actually a really great bar there. And it is, it's a fantastic bar, and I think that's one of the, for me, one of one of the most local hidden favorite spots. You know, you don't see a lot of people in that bar, but that is a great bar. There's great ambiance in there. Besides their their rolls, their fresh rolls. Uh, oh, is it they, the best? Are those the best? They are the best. Ever tasted in your life. They are the best, and that's why we always have to get them for our, for our groups. You just can't not get those rolls. And they won't. Frank Michelli's a buddy of mine, and he will not give up the recipe. Why would he? Well, I'm, I'm not I don't surprised. blame him. I'm just saying. Yeah. I've asked. He you know, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. And and we always have fun when Frank comes over and, and says hi to the groups and, and, and tells us about the mobsters that used to hang out there and about Julia Roberts going off on a rant and, uh -huh. you know, that kind of stuff. 
stuff. So that that's part of that experience. And that's when we say local experience. You know, people aren't necessarily going to get that by, by themselves because they'll probably walk down Hollywood Boulevard and go, oh, Cabo Wabo, you know, giant margarita as big as my head for just $5. I'm going here. Do you include ever any of the local festivals? For example, I stumbled upon this um, Thai festival. I think it was Thai New Year and um, with all the festivities and all the food in, um, I'm sure you know what this is that it's where Palm Thai used to be in a little shopping center where they have a bakery where they make those taro root uh, pastries right there and there's a line out the door for those pastries to be ready to eat. Yeah, Ban Kanam Thai. Yeah, that's the Songkran Festival. It was in April, April 6th, I believe, of this year. Um, and we haven't yet included festivals. We, we always put them on our website, usually, or on Facebook. We inform people about these kind mm -hmm. of ethnic events or festivals or, you know, whatever going on that we think is, like, really cool for people to do in L.A. and easy access. And in the future, we hopefully will have some, you know, specialty tours and specialty events. Um, that we that we will organize too, and um, that's definitely one that I thought about. That was a fun festival. Oh, it was incredible, and the best part was stumbling upon that festival and in that little um, shopping center, which I went back to many times. Which is, yeah, and, and that's where a lot of the good restaurants are in, mm -hmm. in Thai town, and we walk by there, and sometimes we do go into that sweet shop, but then what we also do is um, we'll go into the Siloam Market, which is just beyond there, because on Saturdays and Sundays only, they make the little Thai tacos and those little taro root pancakes in the back, and that's a really fun thing for, for people that to see, to so go delicious. into the Thai market and see the woman making them right there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so delicious. Wow, you sound like a fantastic... Uh, resource for travelers. So, the, the the kind of the umbrella organization is Urban Adventures, and you type in whatever city you're going to, and these same resources are on every website in every city. Well, that's exactly right. So every every city that's that's part of the the network, like I said, 85 cities currently around the world, they're all going to have these kind of tours available. These food tours, cooking tours, you know, Venice tapas and wine tours, and you know whatever they they have come up with they, that they feel is the best way to go in depth into their city. And all of their local guides are going to be a resource for knowledge. And plus, we have an app, and I think 12 cities Ooh. have that app available. It's called the Los Angeles Treasure Map, M-A-P-P, and it's 40 hand-curated places um, in, in L.A. that uh, we've picked that feel are really off the beaten path. It's like an extension of the tour, you know, places that we, we couldn't hit up on our tour because it's this amazing park with an incredible view of the sign, Hollywood sign, or mm -hmm. there's a hidden mural down the side street, or you can get these empanadas in this place where you feel like you've walked into Argentina. And, um And so that's downloadable for iPhones currently, and it's free, and it you know will pop up and tell you you're nearby this ice cream shop or you're nearby this place, and um, so that's an additional resource for for people who um, you know maybe they did a tour and they want to keep exploring for, further, or maybe they just want to download the app and follow the app around. Um, that but yeah, sounds, that's an available resource. That's that really cool. Fantastic. Yeah, it does. Now, after just talking to you for a couple of minutes, I can tell that you know exactly what you're talking about. But what about in the other cities? Is there some sort of vetting process for the people like you in other cities so that people know that when they go to one of these city websites, they're not just getting some... Somebody yeah, who's just trying no. to make a quick buck and doesn't really know anything in depth about their city. No, actually, there's a there's a there's a pretty um, in depth process when when picking partners, and um, you know they don't just go with anybody that's available. They really um, scrutinize them to make sure that they are down with the with the standards and the service level that um, is expected all around the world because, yes, we are expected to be a network. And, you know, I'm personally in contact with a lot of these other business owners around the world. So, you know, I know them and we're working together and we often help one another and saying, you know, oh, how did you work out this tour? How are you going on this kind of event and activity? We're going to try to organize one too. So so there is a lot of communication between between the owners and there's, there's also, um, you know, there's very close contact between between urban adventures and it, and its um its partners to make sure that 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 standard and that service level is is the same all across the the board. Wow. Summer, we are so happy 
to fa- to have found you. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Because I think the next wave in travel is going to be authentic travel and experience travel. That's already going think, on. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's you know, yeah, that's the way to go. And I think your your company is at the you know the pinnacle of what, it all. What do your tours cost? They they range right now between thirty nine and sixty nine dollars per person. And that's for a half day or a full day. Um, all of our tours right now are between three and three and a half hours. Okay. Well, that's Fantastic. Cer- well, yeah, that's certainly very reasonable. And you, know, you get a lot of things included in it. It's really reasonable. It's a great value when, you know, by the time you're done, you've got all those inclusions, you know, whether it's food or drink or, um, you know, a donation to a, an organization, um, a gourmet cappuccino, you know, plus you get this local guide who's just going to help you with whatever additional information you want about what's going on in the city or what you want to do, um, you know, it's a great, I think it's a great value. So it's a, it sounds like it would be a good thing to do your first touring day in a city so that you could take your tour, get a lay of the land, pick the brain of the uh, tour guide, and then you can kind of go off on your own and explore more. Yeah, but then on your own you can do the touristy things, and then you've already would have gotten a taste of the local Flavors. And when you go to Michelli's, the drinks are included in your price? We have a few drinks included in our historic bar tour. So um, that means in, wow. a, in a few different bars, we have a, a drink included. Well, it sounds fantastic, Summer. I'm glad we found you. Tell, say the name of your website again so people can find you. LosAngelesUrbanAdventures.com And the app? The app is the Los Angeles Treasure Map and map is M A P P. I'm glad that we. I'm glad that we found your treasure today. I'm so <laughs> glad you found our treasure too. <laughs> that was a lot of good information. I would go to her. I, I would actually. We should actually go on that tour. I'm all for that. I would like anyone that thinks Michelli's is a cool place. I'm down with mm-hmm. because it really is, and it's very old school. It's not touristy wanna, at all. I want to know all the other ones that I've never been to. I want to go to Little Cambodia, uh, Little Osaka. Um, I want to go to the, the little Thailand. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to do that. I want to well, we'll experience. We'll be big in all those places because I believe because <laughs> they're all little. Yeah, little Thailand. Little, yeah, we'll be like monsters, <gasps> like Mothra. Um, yeah, I, I would actually like to take one of her tours uh, because we both love to eat, and I, and we always say one of the best, most authentic ways to find out things about a city is to go with eat the their food. Yeah, go and with the locals. Go now where they go. Let's talk about Chicago because there's no one that knows more about food and specifically Chicago food than Rich Melman. Rich has been a restaurateur in Chicago for over 40 years. Incredibly successful, very insightful, and he's he's built an entire career on his tongue and his taste. Chicago, Chicago, a title in town. Chicago, I bet your bottom dollar you lose the blues. I'm in the new Chicago, and fashionable Chicago, Beatrix restaurant in Chicago talking to the Imperial Booftar of Chicago food, Rich Melman. Rich, welcome to a fork on the road. Thank you. Pleased to be here, Mark. So uh, Wherever I travel, wherever we go, I always ask people, what are your top food cities in America? And invariable people will say, New York, New Orleans, and Chicago. And you've been the king of Chicago restaurants since, since I think, the earth cooled, since the <laughs> beginning of time. Uh, maybe people outside of Chicago aren't aware of your legacy. So let's start, let's start with uh, your career, and then we can talk about Chicago in general. Um, what, was, what year did you open your first restaurant? 1971. And what was it called? R.J. Grunt's. Uh-huh. It's still there. First restaurant. Never thought I'd do more than that one, but good things happened after that. Did you have any jobs before R.J. Grunt's? Had you worked in the restaurant business before? I had. It seemed that every job I had from the time I was about 14 years old was connected to food. I mean, I sold restaurant supplies, I worked at soda fountains, I worked in restaurants, I worked at fast food places, so everything was food related, yes. And you grew up here in Chicago? Yes, I did, Logan and Square. Your family was a restaurant family? or Yeah. Okay. My uh, dad, my mom was a waitress. Where? My, uh, she worked at a place downtown called Randy's for a long time. No longer there, I mean it hasn't been there for probably 50 years. Uh-huh. 
Um, my dad had a restaurant at restaurants at different times. I had uncles and cousins in the restaurant business. So, yes, I did come from a restaurant family. Okay. So, 71, you opened R.J. Grunts, and I remember had the most fantastic salad bar I had ever seen. And it was right it's right by uh, right by the lakes or right. right? Yeah, right by the zoo. Were were there a lot of was was salad bar the new idea that opened that place? What made you think that you could run a restaurant? Well how old were you? I was twenty nine years old. Okay. And um, it was the only thing I knew. At one time I thought I wanted to make a career out of baseball. I clearly wasn't good enough. And then I thought I wanted to play for the Cubs, probably. (laughs) Well, that would have been a dream. I know. (laughs) um, And then I wanted to be a coach. And I just wasn't a very good student. I mean, I flunked out of college. um, And when I looked around, I I tried sales, and I was bad at sales. And I said, well, I've worked in restaurants from the time I'm 14 until I was 21. Let me try restaurants. And I really started liking it after that. I think maybe it was the only thing I could do, and I've never looked back. Uh-huh. What, what made RJ's special and different from what was available in Chicago at the time? Is it an expensive restaurant? Is it uh, fast food? It was a very inexpensive restaurant that had a lot of different things. We had the music from Woodstock. You know, when you look at RJ Grunts today, it doesn't look that unusual, but 1971... Uh, the girls didn't wear uniforms. They wore whatever they wanted. Most of them went braless. That was their choice. The music, Not a bad choice if you're running a restaurant. Well, the guys liked it. <laughs> the um, the uh, uh, music was sort of the music from Woodstock. Which was contemporary at the time, right? Yeah, so it's very like, much so. Okay. We had a lot of um, healthy food. Uh, we had, believe it or not, we served organic meals in those days. It was around. We had a lot of fruit where juices. Did you, where did you find the, the, I, ga- the produce? Well, what happened was, very simply, I'm 20 years old, and myself and a friend of mine put an ad in the Tribune, Inventions Wanted Will Finance. And believe it or not, we, we had like $3,000 between us. We didn't have a lot of money and no expertise. And we had like 200 respondents. And we narrowed it down to a couple people, and we met this one guy who had three different ideas that he thought were worthy of, uh, of uh, producing and selling. Mm-hmm. And we went out for lunch with him. And I remember I ordered meatballs and spaghetti and a side order of mashed potatoes and gravy, and this guy went crazy. You know, I'm 20 years old. What the hell? It's, uh, that's what I want to eat. <laughs> And he starts preaching to me about healthy eating. He was a middle manager at the post office. But his goal was to sell some of these inventions so he could retire from the post office, so he could devote his life to writing and lecturing about food and health. Now, this is 50 years ago. I mean... When, he, when nobody... And if you did write a book like that, you were labeled a granola-eating hippie freak, and you lived in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, right? Uh, this was not... And Chicago is a meat and potato And it was city. way before Haight-Ashbury. It was, it was way before hippies. I mean, it was... That probably came about five, six years later, I think. It probably was happening in Haight-Ashbury a little bit in those days. But... Um, and I started... I, I, was, I found them fascinating, and he was the guy that got me interested in organics and juices and, and macrobiotic food and all those things. I didn't make that my diet, but I made that part of what R.J. Grunts was. There was a lot of vegetarian stuff on. And the salad bar, how many items did you have in the salad bar? That's, that's 20, all I remember. That 25, 30 but items. It was yeah. expansive. Yes, it was. And I didn't create it. I actually read about a salad bar in Hawaii, believe it or not. And all it was was lettuce and some toppings, and I just did way more than that. Uh, Make a long story short, we opened the restaurant, and you could come in and get a great burger and a great shake and a drink and a macrobiotic meal or organic food or vegetarian food, and that's what the salad bar was. And it didn't take off right away. About two or three months later, it took off, and we've never looked back. I mean, it's still a very successful restaurant 42 years later. So 42 years later, you opened up your first restaurant, 
Have you opened up any restaurants between then and now? <laughs> you have a round number? Many. Well, we've opened up, I, you know, I, I'd have to sit and count, but close to 170 restaurants between then and now. All of them in Chicago? No, we were, we've been in 10 different states. I mean, we're in Hawaii and Canada and uh, a lot there. Most here in Chicago? Mostly in Chicago. So 170 restaurants? Over the years. We don't have that, but we sure. sold some, we closed some. They're not all open yet. And how many failures? Well, it all depends how you determine what a failure is. I think from opening up and closing it within a six-month period, we had one. We've had some that I haven't thought were as successful as they could be. We've hit a well, lot. You're the, you're the Babe Ruth. You're being you're being very <laughs> well, very you. modest, but you're 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 the Babe Ruth. If Babe Ruth and Ted Williams and Albert Pujols had a baby <laughs> of the restaurant business, that would be you, right? I mean, I wish I could hit like that. Uh, oh my God, 170 <laughs> in a in a business that is the food business is brutal and fickle and difficult mm. and in this town there's nowhere to hide chicago is a foodie city i agree right mm-hmm. and you don't just do you've got all kinds of different types of restaurants you've mm-hmm. got you know you've got rj's uh, yeah uh, every different penelope of choice i agree who who decides what talk me through how you come up with a restaurant idea and how you get it open well it starts out with food um, I'm constantly experimenting with food. I'm in the test kitchen. We will have anywhere from two to six chefs in the kitchen working with us. And let's say you and I say, uh, you know, we'd like to open a restaurant that's uh, vegetarian. Well, I could tell you that probably the next month or two, it's all I would eat would be vegetarian dishes. From the chefs in your test kitchen, mm-hmm. and you would, how, and what kind of direction would you give them? Well, I'd probably say we want to do a vegetarian restaurant, and it's almost like writing a screenplay. The more you could lay things out for the whole team, the better it would be. So I'm just making this up as we go along. So it's going to be a 3,500 square foot restaurant with 90 seats. And uh, we want to be open for lunch and dinner, and we want it to be moderately priced. I don't want the check average to be much higher than $22, $23, lower at lunch. And I want to try and see how creative they could be with vegetables. Well, we know we need salads. I think we should do fresh juices. And we'd go on and on and on in terms of that. And along the way... I'd probably do a pro forma. Pro forma to me is like a, an x-ray of how the business is going to be. We'd say, all right, here's the location. This is the rent we're going to pay. This is how many people we're going to need. Um, Those are all huge decisions, though. Is this something over the years that you have, is it a gut thing? Do you study a bunch of numbers and then pick a place? There, there's got to be, uh, clearly you're a very successful and intelligent businessman, but what percentage of your success do you think is art or inspiration or kind of undefinable? I think I think there clearly is an art part. I'm going to say that maybe 30% is art. I think uh, maybe 10% is a little luck. Um, maybe 60% is a discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and discipline is a very important thing. I mean, there are certain disciplines you need to go through I think in order to be successful in anything, mm-hmm. whether you're an athlete or a restaurateur or a businessman. And I think we've learned the disciplines well. There's clearly... I would say 170 to 1. Yeah, I would agree with you. Thank you. The, the, um, but there's an art part. You know, there, there's a, definitely an artistic part, whether it's how you design the restaurant, um, what you do with the food, how do you make it your own, how do you make it a little different? Well, that's a, that's a good point because you have a lot of restaurants that are currently open in Chicago now, and you walk in and each one has, it's got the Melman thumbprint on it, but it also is completely unique and different, and maybe the Melman thumbprint is um, the fit and the finish, the kind of just like that quality of mojo, but all the food's different, the atmospheres are different. And you know you're in Hub 51, you're not someplace at like RPM, you're not someplace right. else. Well, I think that's the artist part of me. 
Uh, I don't like to do prints that I just duplicate, given the choice. And, and by the way, some of my partners want to duplicate the things that we've done, and they're doing that now. Um, I personally like to do new things all the time. But there is a very solid foundation. I think the culture of the organization and how we do things shows up in every restaurant, even though... That's a good way to put it. It does. Mm -hmm. You know that you're in a Melman restaurant because you're not walking away from the meal going, what a jip. I just spent 100 bucks and I'm starving and I have to go to White Castle now. Food's good. It's fresh. People, the servers are all very friendly and professional. It's always a good experience. Thank you. Are you a bastard when you go to another restaurant? Are you really tough on it? I mean, can you... Can you I always think of Bruce Springsteen. If he's driving down the street and the car next to him pulls up and it's blasting Thunder Road, can Bruce enjoy that? Can he listen to it and go, damn, that's a good rock and roll song? I mean, can you go to a restaurant and enjoy it and turn off your brain? Early on in my career, I probably couldn't. You know, I was... I probably couldn't enjoy eating in our own restaurants. I had too much angst. I was always... Analyzing. Yeah, yeah. And now I could go to another restaurant, not one of our own, and absolutely thoroughly enjoy it. Is there a restaurant in Chicago that is not one of yours? <laughs> There's a couple. <laughs> the, um, and um, I learned two ways. Sometimes I learn by what somebody does. You know, some, I'll go into a restaurant and they have a fresh approach to something. And sometimes they do something so bad that I say, wow, I never want to do it like that. So I learn both ways. And I'm not, I, I think I'm an easy customer to wait on. Um, I'm more particular when we're creating a restaurant ourselves. Uh, one of the best, last question. What are the best food cities in America? In my estimation, there's nobody that comes close to New York. I think... It amazes me. I think partially because the amount of people they have. It seems when people come from Europe, when people come from Asia, it always seems that uh, New York is one of the places they land sure. and they bring their culture and their food and their ideas with them. Um, I, I love San Francisco in terms of food. I love Chicago in terms of food. Uh, I say there are three of the best as far as I'm concerned. I love Los Angeles. I think Los Angeles... Um, is underrated in many ways. I'd, I'd put it up there. I, I think if I was going to pick four places, those would be the places that I'd probably pick. But it seems that everywhere I go, I'll go to Miami and I'll say, wow, look at all the new things that are happening there. I'll go to, you mentioned New Orleans, and I haven't been there in a while, so I can't say. A lot of great new Mexican restaurants since the hurricane, because a lot of Hispanic workers moved into the city to help rebuild it. Mm. And now you've got authentic, home-style Mexican restaurants next to the Cajun, the Creole, and the French restaurants. It's a really interesting mix. I was in Austin, Texas, not that long ago, and I two or three restaurants I thought were terrific. Um, they're popping up all over the place. You know, a lot of these young guys and girls have gone and worked under some of the great chefs in the country. And they'll put in their time for three, four, five years and then go back home and open these little restaurants. So there's, um, God, there's, there's great food everywhere you look. All right. Rich Melman, food guru, food genius. Psychic tells you, Rich, you got 24 hours to live. You got one last meal. <laughs> you, the palate that has launched 170 <laughs> successful restaurants. What is your last meal? Well, you can have anything you want. Well, I think, first of all, I'm not sure I'd have an appetite. That would be number one. I'm not sure of that. You're uh, 195 years old. You have okay. one last meal. Okay. I, and you I, still haven't seen the Cubs win a World Series, by right. the way. <laughs> well, that's it's possible, but I hope that. The... Um, I'm, I'm a sort of a simple eater. I think I'd probably take a, um, a light salad with some good French bread. And uh, I love pasta. Give me, you know, give me a good ragu or a bolognese or something like that. And I'm a pretty happy guy. And, and um, yeah, I think it would be a simple meal. I'd, I think the important thing to me would be 
if I could do it with people that I loved, my wife and the kids, that, that would be part of what would make the meal great. Well said. Well said. Well, thank you for your time, Rich. I really appreciate it. Continued success. And uh, if you're ever in Chicago, just throw a dart at the map and you will probably land on a Melvin restaurant. Everything is delicious. I appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks. What a nice guy. <laughs> He's been so supportive of the uh, the Windy City West parties, which yeah. are parties that they throw out in Los Angeles every year for people in the entertainment business. He brings... Amazing parties. I mean, these parties, we've been a couple of times, and the parties are just incredible, and the people are great, and the food gets brought in from Chicago. Because you can't get really good deep dish pizza No, because it's in LA, Chicago right. pizza. And Rich flies it in along with Eli's cheesecake and Portillo's and all the delicious, iconic Chicago foods. He's been doing that. I know the Chicagoans for... now living in L.A. just wait a whole year for his parties. It's like tummy Christmas for us. <laughs> it really is. And he's been doing it for over 25 years, so uh, he is uh, very popular in Los Angeles now as well as Chicago, and uh, as you can hear, very smart, insightful, uh, very, very interesting guy. So we thank him for coming on the show, and that about wraps it up for us. This was a very does. interesting show. Very good. Right? Yeah. We got some Mexican laughs. We got some urban information, and we got some Chicago culinary insights. What, what, what more could you ask from a free show? Food. Yeah. Let's go eat. All right. I'm starting. All right. I'm Mark DiCarlo. That's Yenny Alvarez. And until next time, we'll see you on a fork on the road. Hey Sideshow fans, if you like live comedy and love to party, then the Cabo Comedy Festival is the place for you. Check out CaboComedyFestival.com for the details. From October 2nd to 6th, over 50 of the world's funniest comedians are heading to the beaches of Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. And they're giving away a trip for two to join all the action. Visit Facebook.com slash Cabo Comedy Festival or CaboComedyFestival.com to enter. Downtown Cabo will come alive with nightly shows featuring over 50 of the world's top stand-ups, followed by exclusive after-parties at the hottest nightclubs. Beachfront resorts, pool parties, golf, nightly comedy shows. You don't want to miss the Cabo Comedy Festival. Enter to win or book your travel and purchase tickets at CaboComedyFestival.com. Festival.com.